Hello students, Professor Crunch here. Welcome to part one of the RPG Academy's trial of the Orpheus Protocol. The Orpheus Protocol is one of my very favorite games and podcasts. Please follow the links in the show notes below and check them both out. Before we start today's show, please be advised of a very serious mature content warning. This is not a normal RPG Academy show, but it is a normal Orpheus Protocol show. The game contains brutal violence, adult language, intense horror, and emotional trauma. It also includes potentially offensive topics such as self-mutilation, suicide, demonic possession, child abuse, sacrificial murder, and many other disturbing situations. Consider yourself warned. But as a special treat, this game is canon to the current Orpheus storyline. Please enjoy. We definitely did. Let me turn things over now to game creator and Orpheus Protocol GM, Rob Stith. First things first, let's just go around the table here and get to know the characters of this game, which I am calling Group 13. First up is a voice that will, for listeners of the Orpheus Protocol at least, be familiar. Caleb, returning to reprise his role as Samson Campbell, though this time a fair bit older, wiser, and hardened by experience. The last time we saw Caleb was in 2007. It is now 2014. How have those last seven years gone for Samson Campbell? And I guess perhaps catch us up on what his deal is for those who have not heard the overdue book arc. When we last saw Samson, he was in high school fighting demons with Mitch, Walt, and Haley. In the past seven years, he has struck out on his own. He went to seminary, and he felt a higher calling, and he started doing research, and that research pulled him into the rabbit hole, supported by the truth of his raw and brutal high school experiences. Through experimentation, success, and often terrible failure, Samson has become a bit of a lone spiritual warrior. He is known in the community as the man who can solve the problems when prayer doesn't work. He has been called to fight all manner of supernatural occurrences. He has found a skill at dealing with demonic possession. And when his phone rings, more often than not, it is someone with exactly that problem begging him for help. Samson has been traveling the country and the globe, dealing with this, pressing his skill. He is driven almost by some sort of deep, deep need to prove himself. And find the strength he saw in some of his high school friends. The years have not been unkind to him, but he is not as well developed as other people might be if they had not spent the last seven years fighting demons. He's lean, he's muscular, but he's hungry more often than not. He's still got that long, curly hair. It's a little bit scraggly and wild at times. He's got more chop 
than full beard, but he's got <laughs> a little bit of a goatee and mustache coming in. Think of a young Rob Zombie in the late 80s. <laughs> oh, man. You might have a good idea of who's going to walk down the hallway when you dial Mr. Campbell. Although Samson works for the other guy. Oh, yes. Most <laughs> certainly. Different team, nice. same tailor. Yeah, I love it. Oh, man. Next up, we have Matthew playing Dacian Silversong. Let's learn about this exotically named gentleman. Dacian Silversong is a, um, I'm going to say he's 20s-ish, like uh, mid-20s, we'll say. A man of, uh, we'll say 5'10", 5'11", with uh, black hair and a bit of a faux hawk type thing, with a permanent 5 o'clock shadow. He's got a golden torque on his neck with two crucifixes. It looks a bit too big for his neck, so it almost lo mm. looks like it's made for a, a larger person that he just happens to wear. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. He wears unassuming clothes for the most part, usually blacks, but uh, he's kind of a, you know, a, a nice build. I wouldn't say a parkour guy, but I wouldn't say a bodybuilder, so like right in that middle ground. He's got a sharp nose. His eyes are a light brown that you might even say is a gold if you were uh, uh -huh. if you were looking close enough a little little extra gold under moonlight yeah, yeah, i would assume yeah. gets a little lighter when the when the moon's right and let's talk for a second about what has led dacian to be in the occupation that he now is dacian was born into a family of protectors for the church they don't all have the gift but if one proves themselves to be worthy enough to take upon the mantle of the beast, it will be gifted upon them by, a, you know, a parent or, or an older generation. And Dacian tried for this for many years before finally, some time ago, not too long, but not too far either, actually was given the, the gift. And uh, he serves the church in that manner now as a protector. And as a soldier of Group 13, the non-denominational sort of occult private army that both the Vatican and other denominations leaderships make use of in times of crisis. So we have a veritable wolf of God, a being capable of going toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of the darker entities that sometimes emerge into the light to wage war on the faithful. And if that all sounds a little too wholesome for you, Let's hear about Conrad. Kevin, you're here playing Conrad Killicuddy, a interesting and somewhat caddish gentleman. That's exactly right, Rob. So Conrad, from a young age, was always a bit mischievous. He realized that he had a way with people. He could talk some kids out of their lunch money at recess. He quickly learned that running cons, simple pickpockets... Little things like that could get him just about anywhere he needed in life. As he aged, he got a little bit little bit tired of kind of being on the lam, so he just sort of happened into the concept of being a medium, performing seances. He could perform out of one location, sort of settle down, still run his cons, and have a pretty uh, decent life going for him. 
he always kind of had a knack for it too, almost as if he was actually contacting the realm of the spirits. He could pocket something out of someone else's pocket before the seances actually began, and somehow he could just get a sense of the person that he was talking to, and it almost felt as if he was contacting someone on the other side. He, of course, didn't believe in any of it, though. And what happened to change that belief, or that lack of belief? It was a seance just like any other one. On a Friday night, he expected the group to maybe purchase some of the alcohol he'd recently gotten a liquor license for. Just, you know, generally have a good time of it. The problem is, he had apparently gotten the attention of some members of Group 13 who felt that he may actually be tapping into something that he probably shouldn't be. And unknown to them, Conrad attempted to pocket an item that they were holding on their person. Now this item was a powerful reliquary of the church, used in exorcisms. Conrad honestly cannot remember what it was he grabbed from the priest's pocket, but he knows that for the next uncountable amount of hours, he was just beset by spirits from the other side, felt like he was seeing visions of things that he would touch, and when he next awoke, he was in one of the many pop-up locations of Group 13 with a lot of questions. And Group 13 was more than happy to fill him in, sort of guide him on the way with his newfound abilities, and he's been working with them ever since to try and understand his own powers, keep himself safe from his own powers, and many of the evils he's encountered since joining, and sort of try to see where this might lead him in life. And where it has led both him and Dacian in life up to the moment is the interior of a speeding car on the rain-lashed streets of Chicago, speeding through the night in hopes of reaching their destination before it's too late. The various oracles and investigators that work in service to Group 13 have busily tracked the movements of what they believe to be a significant demonic presence as it has carved a swath of misery and seemingly unconnected tragedy across America's heartland. And at long last, the two of you have been dispatched to the place it is believed to reside. And that destination is a high-rise, rent-controlled apartment complex in one of the bad parts of town. It's not as bad as Cabrini Green, that was demolished a few years ago, finally. They finally made good on their promise to get rid of that, but it was a symbolic gesture. And ultimately, the institutional poverty that ravages Chicago was still there. And so unfortunate people still ended up getting warehoused comfortably out of sight. And as you've seen both of you in your careers in service to the church, it's so often those on whom the hardships of life fall hardest, that also fall prey to the darkness beyond life. The information that you were given has led you to believe that the demon is going to act again, and soon. Conrad, you were visited in dreams by a silent apparition of a little boy wearing a winter coat, and when he beckoned for you to follow him, 
into the next room in a place that you didn't recognize. You began following him and found that it was hard to keep your footing in the slick of blood that continually ran out from beneath this coat, running down the child's legs and pooling around the edges of his mittens. And when you finally fell, you woke. And your sense of that place, combined with the information given you by the organization, has resulted in your firm belief that tonight is the night. The creature that was responsible for that child's death, along with so many other atrocities, is going to surface again in Chicago tonight. You've locked onto the building and are rocketing towards it at rather unsafe speeds. Dacian, with your enhanced senses and long-honed sense of danger, it is impossible for you to sit in this car with Conrad and not see and notice how affected he is. He's very tightly wound. You've seen this before in soldiers, before they go into a battle that they know they're not prepared for. Tell me again what the the child looked like in your dream. Maybe it'll maybe it'll relax you a bit. Daisy, and you know that I hate it when the children visit me the most. They they unnerve me. The fact that a child could be dealt such damage and killed in such a manner. It was hard for me to focus. He he was I don't know, he had to be six, maybe seven. He was wearing a winter coat. Mittens. Uh, I, I, I know the location. That's about all that's good. He gave me his message. He did his job. Let's hope that we can prevent this from happening uh, anymore after tonight. I don't, uh, I don't like children being involved in, in, in our business either. It's not right. It's not, it's not the Lord's plan. I don't think for any for any of them. Well, goodness knows the Lord should have worked a little bit better on this one. Ah, pardon me. It just affects me. Which of you is driving? I am. I was going to say actually. Him. All right. <laughs> I actually have a driving skill. So <laughs> nice. Well, you're going to need to make a check with that drive skill right the hell now because there is a hunched over old derelict who has stumbled out into the road directly in your path. Okay. I can do that. Conrad has a drive of two. And that'll be a dexterity-based roll. You can spend up to three physical strain, given your skill. Okay. And so again, that is three fudge dice, so three dice that have minus, nothing, and plus. And that's if I spend, so I can spend up to three physical. Yeah, so you can boost it by up to three. You always roll three dice and add your attribute, and then you can spend up to three strain because you have two points in the skill. You can always look at your die roll before spending strain. The way that you spend strain is always like you get to know the information first and then make a choice. I roll three dice. So we are looking at, and you combine the total? The total of the dice and the total of the attribute. And then the skill doesn't add, it's just what you can do. Okay, so I have a four and a three, two pluses, and a two, so one minus. Four and a three are both nothing. Oh. Like five and six are plus. So you rolled a minus one on your dice. Oh, okay. So you would be at a two if you have three dexterity. But you can spend up to three strain to get a better result. All right, I'll spend a strain to get it up to a three. In the glare of street lights being diffused by the rain and mist, you don't see this man until you're almost on him. He's just reeling drunkenly in the middle of the road, and 
your reflexes are fairly good. You don't swerve. You just break. But it is awfully slick. Mm. The front of your car begins to lose its sink with the back, which slews out. And you quickly do manage to get the car to a stop, mercifully staying on the road and not meeting any oncoming traffic. But you see, as you stop, the man's body hitting the pavement from where he was lifted into the air by your vehicle. Oh, by all the hell. Jesus! We don't have time, Dacian. I think we need to just maybe move him to the side of the road. Dacian retracts his claws from the, the dashboard. <sighs> I'll go. We have to get to the site. Yeah, you uh, you bring the car around. I'll I'll get out and move him over off the road. See see if he's still breathing. Do we see any other vehicles approaching or anything like that? The nearby vehicles are just callously making their way in a curved line around his body and not stopping. But you do see numerous faces at windows. Damn it. Oh, I'm going to make sure he doesn't get hit by one of these uh, passerbys. So Dacian yes, is going you... to be careful and get out of the car. Hurry along now, Dacian. Like I said, we don't have much time. I'll be as fast as I can manage, and I'll uh, watch for cars and try to run over to the, where the guy is. He is laying in a fetal position. You can see that there is some blood beneath him in the pools of water. You see the shuddering of his breath, however. He's anywhere from a very hard-living 40 to 60. It's really impossible to tell. His face, though, white with shock displays a lot of broken capillaries and veins from excessive drinking. And he's wearing a shabby oversized coat that you expect he wears quite often. He strains for breath and is definitely in need of some form of aid. I would like to try and perform said aid, even though I have no skill for it. Well, you can always spend one strain to boost by one on a roll that you don't have the skill for. And dexterity is the key attribute for first aid. Okay. Well, I have three in dexterity, so I will spend one strain. So you're just trying to, I assume, stabilize him as best stabilize you can and so like I... get him out of the road. Exactly. Get him out of the road without making his injuries any yep, worse. Perfect. That's exactly what I want to do. Okay. I uh, got two on the dice. Uh, sure, I'll take it to a six. I got physical. And six is a good number, because that's a cutoff point for giving this poor sap a plus two against his death check. You've managed to do some basic treatment for shock, make sure that the way that he's laying is not making his injuries any worse, mm -hmm. and just done the basic of basics. He definitely has some broken ribs, though, and is going to need to go to a hospital. You hear... Under his breath, his breath is wheezing. He's having trouble f pulling in a full breath with his broken ribs. Under his breath, he's like, He's saying something that sounds like sail on or salon. You're not sure, but he's just repeating it over and over again. And he seems really out of it. And there's, there's nothing I can do to get more uh, cognizance out of him. It's just, this is what he sounds like. I mean... I'm not going to shake him, if but... He, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, like, other than just shaking him, he's going to need to come out of shock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, 
you've done what you can on the roadside for that. While you're doing this, what is Conrad up to? Right now I've pulled the car up next to it. I've got the window down on the passenger side. And I see Dacian kind of helping the guy out. Dacian, we simply do not have the time for this. We need to get moving. We're about five blocks away from our destination. Would I have felt a, like a cell phone or some sort of device on him? Or, or does he not have those sorts of things? Roll a luck check for me. That's just three dice. Unmodified by anything. That is a one on the dice. So you've got one positive result one over positive negative. Result over two zeros. Nice. Okay, he actually does have a old model iPhone. Oh wow! It's honestly not that uncommon for homeless folks to have phones these days. Interesting. They're pretty easy to yeah. get. So I'm going to pull out the phone, and I'm going to assume he doesn't have a, a password on it because that would be silly. Oh, he doesn't. You can dial 911 without the password though, so that doesn't matter. Generally so speaking, so I'm going to yeah. press in 911 and just kind of let it dial, and then I'm going to pull out a card that I have. It's just a crucifix on it and I'm going to put it in his pocket as like a, a little like help this dude out type of thing. Okay. It's something we carry for victims that we can't really help but we need to get out of there. 911 what's your emergency? Uh, 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 there's been a man he was he was struck by a moving vehicle uh, he's on the, the street uh, insert street here. Yeah so you fill her in on the location. You can see a street yeah. sign nearby so it's not hard to figure out where you're West at. West Hempstead Street heading west is he breathing yes and i and i believe he's stable for now but he he does seem to have some broken ribs all right emergency services are on their way thank you is he in a position where he is in any further danger is he out of harm's way yes he is out of harm's way all right can you stay with him i cannot uh Sir, it would be better if someone were to stay with the injured party until emergency services arrives. If it's an emergency itself, we understand. It is an emergency itself, and I will hang up the phone. Or, you know, right. yeah, I'm not hanging up the phone. I'm going to leave it on and just put it on his chest and then go in the car, just so they can keep the GPS signal. As you stand up from your place, knelt protectively over this man, you feel a tug at your shirt. And when you turn back to see what caused it, the man has grabbed onto your clothes and risen to a seated position, straining up off of the pavement at you to get his face into your face. And this shocked and doughy face that you just observed moments ago is twisted and contorted in a rictus of just spite. And he says to you, even wolves are food for the flies. And then coughs, and his eyes roll back, and all the color drains out of him, and he just starts shaking like a huge fever has broken. Roll stability. Yeah, okay. Uh, for a horror check. Yeah, that was, a, that was a lot creepy. Zero on the dice, so three total. That's good enough to beat the uh, DV, so that is two sanity loss which you can prevent by spending spiritual strain if you like. So because you have force of will, when you spend spiritual strain, it actually reduces sanity damage by two per point. Okay. Because you have good willpower. Right. So you could spend one point of strain to avoid all that damage if you wish. Yes, I'll do that. So you're able to like keep yourself on an even keel. Not that it wasn't a 
creepy event, but you're still clear-eyed. You're still in possession of your faculties. The change came over him so quickly that when you look at him, it's almost hard to believe that it just happened because he's so completely vulnerable and hurt now. Did he flip right back, or is he still, like, shaking and, and eyes rolling in his head type of thing? No, he, uh, he's now still. Oh. You actually have to, you actually get uh, a little bit scared for a second and, and look carefully to see if he's still breathing, but he is. Okay, well, at that point, I'm gonna lay him down again and, like, give it a heartbeat and then get back to the car, but, like, keep my eyes on him. There's no further change. You return to the car, and... Conrad, you see that Dacian looks shaken. And I mean, he just did tend to a badly injured person and make a 911 call, but you've been through a lot worse situations than that with him, and he's been unflappable. Something is up. Please tell me that that man is not dead. I I mean, uh, he, he's, he's not. He wasn't. But um, he, he was... He was muttering something, uh, salon, some, uh, salmon, something, and, and then and then I called nine one one, and just as I was gonna get back into the car, he he grabbed me and he said, "Even wolves are food for the flies." And his eyes were all crazy, and he was shaking like a madman. Does that ring any bells to you? Does that that sounds like something that? Good lord. Well, I must say, we must be getting closer than I thought. If there's any indication that we're nearing our target, it's something like that. Well, I, su- I suppose there's nothing more we can do than to move on. I kind of look nervously around to see if there's any cops showing up or anything, and then I'm... This is not a good part of Chicago. There'll be a couple more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. The car picks up speed back into the night. Samson. Father D'Antonio is shuffling nervously as he leads you up the stairs further and further up this high rise to the home that you have been called to there's a family there a single mother and her two children and by the accounts that were given you she came to the church from a place of utter desperation and terror she is afraid of her own daughter she can't go into her room she doesn't feel safe alone with her and she's terrified for the safety of her son you're told that the woman's name is lashonda williams her son's name is cameron he's only three years old and jasmine her six-year-old daughter is the one for whom you've been called at the start of this scene as i was entering the building I would like to have used my three temporary strain from my rank five awareness for vigilance. The cool thing about rank five awareness is that you can just assume that you're using it every scene. Okay. You have that temporary strain per scene. What having rank five awareness means is that you have really mastered the art of being on the lookout for things passively all the time without expelling a special effort. You're very, very keenly observant which is something that that Samson has learned in his time traveling the world. Absolutely. So basically, as we are walking up the stairs, because obviously the elevator is broken, I am walking a few paces behind the father, and I'm walking in a way where I always kind of have an eye on the floor above me and the floor below me as we are spiraling up this staircase. Conspicuously, people are not 
out in the halls. It's nighttime, but it's not three in the morning. It's like 10. And you would expect at least some teenagers hanging out or people, you know, coming home from a late night at work or something. And every door is shut. No one's in the halls. You haven't seen a soul since entering this building. There's just something in the air that's keeping people inside and minding their own business. The rain increases and pelts against the windows, making it hard to hear your own footsteps even in this empty hall. Now, I'm not sure exactly what the <clears throat> procedure is with uh, your sort, but I'm told that you were the person to get in contact with, with um, this kind of problem. I'm afraid that she's quite outside of my area of expertise, and I'm not too proud to admit that. Most demons will do that to you, father. Don't worry about it. His step falters at your casual use of the word demon, and it brings home to you just how removed from the real battle most people who serve the church are. The idea of demons is an academic one, is a cultural point of interest for most people. But Samson doesn't have that luxury. He's been in rooms with them. He's been in battle with them. You reach the appointed floor, which, unsurprisingly to you, is labeled floor 14. But you didn't count 14 floors on the way up the stairs. Father Antonio leads you to a right-angle turn down the hall, and you see a young African-American woman who looks to have not slept in days and days, holding an equally exhausted-looking toddler to her, seated with her back to the wall, and what looks to you like a look of fear, but just as much or more a look of shame. At this point, I'm going to outpace the father and walk right up to her. She looks up at this sudden movement with a flicker of surprise, and then seeing you and the father and your mode of dress, she seems to mentally smooth herself out a little bit and try to gain a measure of control. I am actually going to kind of squat down on my haunches so I'm a little bit closer to her. I'm going to put one of my hands out so it's on the wall next to her in a almost like I would put it on her shoulder if I knew her well enough, but I'm being a little bit respectful. Okay. I know this is rough. It's not your fault. She certainly wants to believe you. There is a look of hope. To comfort her and convince her that it's not her fault, I would like you to make a presence check with charisma just to exude that calm and non-judgmental tone. Absolutely. That is a... Two on the die, four total. You also have a rank five in this. Oh, that's right, I do. I'm just going to spend one strain to make that a five. All right. I want to put a little bit of effort into actually trying to connect with her. You see her face go through a quick series of expressions. There's a bit of surprise, a slight widening of the eyes, and a relief. And that breaks your heart a bit, because you can tell that she's actually surprised that someone really cares what happens to her or her kids. She's not used to that. She says, I just, I just don't know what to do with her anymore. There's the things she says. It's like, it's like she just isn't the same 
She's not my little girl, but she... she it's the worst thing that you can say. She's inside. So I'm going to let her kind of get that out without interrupting her. LaShonda, I can't tell you this is going to be easy, but I can tell you that this is not the first time I've dealt with this. And I have been successful more than I have failed, but I will never not try with all the strength that I've been given. Please go with the father, take your son. I will do everything to help Jasmine. She blinks a few times and a tear spills over and she reaches up with her hand on the side of her body that your arm is on and grabs your hand and nods to you, taking a deep breath, and lifts herself to her feet, holding her son. Yeah, I'll help her up with that same motion. The child regards you kind of sleepily, like he's just too tired to even really comprehend what's going on. This must all be a dream to him. And Father D'Antonio says, I'll I'll take them somewhere. Um, I'll, I'll take them down to the church and make them some coffee. I, I don't... I'm not particularly well-practiced at this, but I'll see to it that they're made comfortable, and then I'll return as quickly as I can, and in case in case you're in need of any assistance. Uh, even I know enough that to leave one even so capable as yourself alone in that situation is a risk. It's a risk that's mine to bear. I've been doing this for too long. They need you. Stay with them. Keep them comfortable. Keep them safe. I'll call. He seems pretty hesitant to just let you go into this completely alone, as afraid as he is of the situation. So this actually is another presence check to try to calm him down and convince him that it's okay to leave you to it. Okay, uh, that was a terrible roll. I'm going to use my rank four to take a plus one instead of rolling. Okay. So that would put me at a three. And I will spend one to make it a four, kind of putting a little bit of edge into not necessarily my voice, but in my posture and stance. Sure. He looks like he's about to argue again and thinks better of it. There's something in your aspect that commands respect from him. He nods to you solemnly and says, Now let's let's see about... Just getting you somewhere comfortable uh, for while this process takes place. I'm given to understand it can be lengthy, but... And you hear, as they recede down the hall from you, him extolling your credentials and your track record, trying to comfort Mrs. Williams about your chances for success. And you uh, wish that you were as confident as he sounds. So I'm going to wait for them to get a couple floors away with the building being so quiet, I can definitely hear them walking. And then I'm going to walk up to the door, square my shoulders a little bit. I'll reach into one of my jacket pockets and pull out a small vial of anointing oil. And actually, uh, it's one of those little tiny, almost like a tiny flask, put my thumb on top of it, tip it over, so there's just a little drop on my finger. And I'll touch that to either side of the door frame and the crossbar at the top. In my head, I have a picture of Mitch kind of standing there with his bat, and I'm focusing on that memory and that strength 
and I'm stealing myself. Nomine Patrese Fili Spiritus Sante. And opening the door. The apartment bears all the markings of a lived-in place. You see toys strewn about, coloring books, stacks of mail, unpaid bills, the residue of numerous hastily cooked meals, it looks like. Mrs. Williams doesn't have enough time to keep up her house while caring for two children and trying to make ends meet. And you see some college textbooks that could be for no one other than LaShonda, who must be somehow trying to juggle night classes or online courses on top of all this. And you see the home of someone who's trying so hard to do right by her kids, and the thought of a being, an entity, coming in, intruding into that effort and causing suffering to these people fills you with rage. You hear a rapid sort of scraping sound from a room down the hall, and it takes a moment, but your mind identifies it as the sound of furious crayon use. I'm just going to head right there. This is... This has to be dealt with. You open the door and see a surprisingly clean and neat room that clearly both Jasmine and Cameron have to share. So there's very little space for each child. But her side of the room is quite girly and well-maintained. She's sitting cross-legged on the bed with a little portable lap desk. And she is concentrating on something she's coloring with crayon. She even has that little tip of the tongue stuck out at the corner of her mouth look that children sometimes get. She suddenly looks up at you when you come through the door, looks a little surprised, stops coloring, and smiles. Hello, mister. Are you a friend of my mom's? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am. My name's Samson. What's your name? Her expression goes blank as if she's forgotten. And then like a record skipping back into its groove, she's suddenly normal again, and she says, Jasmine, now wouldn't my mom have told you what my name was? Well, your mom's been pretty worried, Jasmine. She's very worried about you, and that makes me worried too. I think she might have just forgotten. Roll awareness. Uh, that is a blank on the die. That would put me at a six. That is plenty. There is a slightly audible hum as the lights in the room burn slightly brighter for a moment and then reduce unsteadily, flickering a bit. The girl smiles at you again, and the smile is different this time. There is a glee, a hateful glee, and there's something in her eyes where they catch the flickering light. You know all about forgetting, don't you? That thing that came out of the book made you forget. And you hear a creaking behind you as the door to the room begins to shut. I am definitely trying to hide a wince and a shudder, but seeing that burn in her eyes only makes me respond in kind. Next to her on the wall... You see that she's posted a bunch of her drawings, and as the door slams to, you see that some of them 
are of a stilt-legged clown in a pinstriped suit and top hat, tearing limb from limb a young boy who looks an awful lot like you did. Roll against horror. Son of a bitch. I'm going to take my rank 5 ability for a plus 2. Right. Uh, giving me a 5. And I'm going to burn one of those temporary strain to make it a 6. Okay. That is 3 sanity loss. Preventable. You pass the check. Um, Which is good. Because if you hadn't passed it, you'd be rolling for temporary insanity. No, I'm mad. I'm going to spend 2 to make it 0. I'm going to walk across the room grab all of those drawings, rip them off, and start shredding them. The little girl starts to giggle and clap her little hands. She's very happy with your reaction. And the smile on her face is a bit too wide. And do people have that many teeth? You're not sure, but you know that you have to destroy these drawings. They're a blasphemy. They're a perversion. So I'm going to shred those drawings, throw them on the ground, like ball it up and throw it on the ground with a little bit of force, maybe a little too much force so it bounces. Whoever you are inside there, we're done. You're going to let her go. You're going to get the fuck out of here. She tilts her head interrogatively at you, as you've sometimes seen dogs do. And why would I do something like that? My name is Samson Campbell. I have faced your kind before, and they have fallen before me due to the power that stands behind me. You will leave, or you will die. Roll awareness again. Uh, one on the die. Three, four, seven total. Wow. You see the slight coiling motion of her arm that she holds, just so that her hand is just under the lip of her bedsheet. And so you see the kitchen knife the instant before it darts at your eyes. Roll initiative. No surprise round. That'll give me an eight. She's bringing the knife up at you, but you're up first. (sighs) All right, so I am going to... Is she sitting on her bed? Yes. And this is a pretty small room, so her bed is probably right in the corner by the wall. So I'm going to clear the room in a stride. Samson's a tall guy. And I'm going to snap my hand out and pin that hand she is moving to the wall. Okay. What you're doing then is you're trying to subdue her, which is you have to beat her in an unarmed contest by three. Yeah, he's going to try that. That feels right to him. Is this tactics or is this just... It is tactics, but you're you're rolling a melee attack unarmed, but you can spend one strain. Oh, that's right. You can also invoke motivations. Oh, you're right. I was going to do that. I wasn't going to do it yet. You know what? This is a great time to do that. Because Samson's mad as shit right now. I want to invoke Remember Me, I Pray Thee, and Strengthen Me. You're going into battle with an enemy of good. And you know that there have been forces that have supported you in the past. And so you call out to them. On this check, your dice will instead produce zero, one, and two successes. All right, so that is a two on the die, very luckily. Gives me a four total. I can spend one strain to take that to a five, so I'm going to take that to a five. You slam her wrist back to the wall. The knife clatters down the wall and falls in the crack between her bed and the wall. And you hear her whimper, and you see that she 
seems just a six-year-old girl who's been manhandled by a tall, unfamiliar man, and it just pisses you off so much. The thing is having fun. It's letting her up to the surface just so that she can be confused and scared. You've seen it before. So my other hand, I was still holding that anointing oil Mm -hmm. in it. I'm going to, with a practice motion, flip some onto my fingers, drop it, and put my whole hand over her forehead. Not forcefully, but not gently either. It immediately starts to smoke and sizzle, and an unearthly sound comes out of her. And as that noise just bellows out, my head rocks back a little bit from the force that I know is behind it. But I grit down, and I start praying. Domine Sante, Pater Omnipotes, Aterne Deus, e Patre Domine Nostri Jesu Christi. And I will continue through the opening of this prayer of exorcism. As you do this, the lights begin to flicker more spastically, and it's as though there is a high wind in the room. Meanwhile, outside, the Group 13 agent's car pulls up to this tenement, and you actually see... On a 13th floor window, a wild flickering of lights. Is there any sign of, like, the mother and the father leaving the building, or has it been too long for that? There's no indication of anyone. Darn. So we pull up. Daisy and I do believe that the party has started without us. Let's get up there. All right, let's, uh, let's park the car. No time for that. It's a rental anyway. I'm just jumping out, (laughs) leaving it parked on the sidewalk. Oh, wow. All right. And we're hoofing it upstairs. It's a long way up, but you're in pretty good shape, and urgency is driving you forward. I would like both of you to roll awareness as you go up. And a new scene opens when you enter the building, so go ahead and set your vigilance if you wish. And of course, I will remind you, Conrad, that you have spirit guardians. So if you wish to note that you've used a rank one ability, you can just have three vigilance as spirits from the surrounding area look out for you. I just uh, rolled two on the dice, and I have two awareness, so that's a four, so I'm good with that. No, so you'd rolled two on the dice, you'd be at a five. Because you you add the attribute that goes with it, not the skill number. The skill rank is simply what features you have for strain and re-rolls and stuff like that. Okay, then, yes, five. So it would be six. Very interesting. Conrad, you and Dacian rush up the stairs. Dacian's in the lead due to his just extreme athleticism, and you find yourself counting the floors just sort of subconsciously as you go, because you're, like, eager to get to where you need to be. And when the 14th flight of stairs passes, and the 15th, and the 16th, and you look... And the little plaque by the top of the stairs still says floor 12. You start to suspect that something's not quite right. And you notice that Dacian has somehow gotten ahead of you and you're by yourself. Mm. You hear light footsteps ascending the stairs just around the corner of the landing on which you are. Alright, I kind of steal myself because I know Dacian wasn't behind me. But I also know better than to actually ask who's there, because I usually don't like the answer. As you round the corner, you see at the landing 
to the 13th or labeled 14th floor. A little boy in a winter coat. He looks down at you, his face expressionless, and makes the sign of the cross in the air before calmly pulling himself over the railing and leaping down the middle space of the stairwell. By the good lord. Roll against horror as you hear the impact and learn a bit more about where all that blood came from. Two on the die, so that'll end up being six. That's plenty to pass. You're going to lose four sanity. You can spend strain to reduce, so it cost two. I'll do two spiritual. My goodness, that poor boy. Dacian, for some reason, Conrad just stops running. You're nearly there. You're nearly to the floor you need to be on, and he just stops. He doesn't even look out of breath. He looks spaced out. Conrad, come on. We, we're almost there. Let's go. And Conrad, you hear this. This is like the first thing that you notice after coming back to your senses. What? Uh, yes. Right away. I'm going to start following Daisy, and then I'm going to stop. Dacian, we've gone too far. Uh, I believe the, the floor we're looking for is right around here. Okay, let's 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 go. Let's move. You check, you double check, and somehow you're still on floor 12. But this time, when you ascend the stairs, nothing unexpected happens, and you find yourself on 14. It's not hard to see the apartment that you're meant to go to. There are lights flashing beneath the door, and you hear loud white noise as though a storm is raging inside. The storm has picked up outside, but even that would come nowhere near accounting for the sounds that you're hearing. Alright, I'm I'm kind of tentatively moving towards the door. I'm tentatively moving in front of him to hit the door first. <laughs> Alright, when Dacian brazenly throws the door wide, you see that all the lights are flickering on and off, and the fan is wobbling on its axis. Little odds and ends, silverware, toys are rattling on the surfaces upon which they rest as though an earthquake were occurring. And you hear a raised voice incanting in Latin and unearthly howls from a room down the hall. Of course, it would be a possession. I hate possessions. I look at him quizzically. You weren't with me on those. Let us go see if we can help. Let's go. So we'll move into the room. I just kind of look like with an arched eyebrow at Dacian, kind of like, do your stuff. Yes, might is quite a thing. Yeah, I would like to uh, force the door open. Have you transformed? Are you in human form at the moment? Do you want to? Yes, I'm still in human form because I feel like maybe I don't know who's on the other side of this that door. That is a perfectly a fair and wise thing. Yeah, so you're just using vitality and the might skill. So, let's see. One on the dice... That would be a five. Yeah, I'll spend all three. What the hell? Bust down the door. Take it off the hinges. At first, you try turning it, and there is just an implacable force preventing you. And so you get frustrated and just slam the doorknob through the door with the heel of your hand. Then mm -hmm. kick the and thing open. And I growl open. when I do it. <sighs> My canines are a little longer now, probably. Yes. You see, Samson with his hand locked on this young girl's forehead with a, I'm picturing a rosary held between his fingers on that hand. Sure, why not? And just as you come through the door, you see 
the entire bed that the girl is seated on shudderingly lift itself a few inches off of the ground. And the girl's hair starts to float like she's underwater. Samson is bellowing back against the forces opposing him. And when the bed starts to rise, he shifts his weight a little bit and tries to stamp it back down to the floor in an angry motion. To get the bed onto the floor, that's also going to be a might check. Uh, which I don't have, so I'm just going to make a vitality check. I'll lend you my strength. Although, Samson probably hasn't even noticed you guys yet. Oh yeah, I, I have not even paid any attention to the door shattering behind me. I will just shift my weight backwards and try to stamp it down. I've got a one on the die, that so get, gives me a three for my vitality. I'm trying to do too much at once, so I'm not going to spend on this. Uh, it's just kind of an instinct, as he is still praying in Latin. Samson tries to bring weight down on the bed, and the corner that he's nearest shifts suddenly upward, catching him in the abdomen like a full-body uppercut and sending him sprawling to the floor. The little girl laughs a silvery laugh and looks to the doorway to the two men that Samson now notices as he tries to get up. And she says, looking right at Conrad, You should ask my friend why he died. It's a sad story. And you see Conrad, the little boy in the winter coat, standing in the closet, head down, blood pooling around him. Is that any kind of horror check or anything? This would be repeated exposure. You automatically pass the check. That's four sanity loss, so you can spend two to get rid of it or take some or whatever. But you also lose one humanity because you're getting used to this. Mm, I'll spend the two. Nothing sickens me more than your kind when you harm children, you creature. I hope we put an end to you tonight. The little boy looks up to you, Conrad, and says in a voice not his own, I wasn't the one who hurt this boy. I merely gave voice to his hate. What do you guys do? I intend to allow myself to be possessed by a priest who knows what he's doing in this sort of situation. So, functionally, you're giving yourself knowledge religion? At a rank five. Nice. I can tell that this is an exorcism, I imagine, yes? Oh, yeah. Okay, so then I plan on helping in my meager means by perhaps restraining the the victim. Go ahead and roll an unarmed combat check against her, trying to beat her by three to subdue her without causing harm. Okay, so, uh, five. That's plenty. You've got her by the wrists. Like, you've got both of her wrists held in one of your hands, and you're pushing down on her knees with the other hands that she can't kick. Right. And when you've restrained her, the bed slowly starts to lower itself as well. And she snarls at you with restrained animal hatred. And I snarl back. (laughs) And then I say, come on, finish this! because I don't know his name. And seeing these two people burst into the room, making a quick tactical assessment that they are here to help and not harm, I will take advantage of this muscular individual holding down the little girl, run over, and attempt to start the ritual again. 
with this aid being lent you, you're able to fully focus yourself on the ritual. I want you to make a religion roll with willpower to try to send this demon out of this child. Uh, I'm going to use that rank four ability to take a plus one in lieu of rolling, giving me a four and I can spend up to three strain. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to spend all three and make that a seven. A thematically appropriate number. You begin to belt out the verses of this Roman ritual, and the girl begins to babble the Lord's Prayer backwards in an act of obscenity to try to confuse you, to try to sabotage your power, but that is the mistake that these creatures always make. It is not your power. It is the power of God that works through you. Your voice builds and builds, and it is as though there is a chorus with you as these two opposed powers clash in this tiny room. And in the flutter of a hummingbird's wing, she is a child again, exhausted, terrified. When that happens, I will move quickly to not shove this other guy out of the way, but try to assert myself with a practiced hand through body motion so I can pick up Jasmine and hold her to me. All three of you roll awareness. Six. Two. Four. Samson, you notice a tiny motion and... Tracking it out of your periphery, you lock on to... There is a shadow being cast by the closet door where it's hanging open. That shadow connects to the shadow that you and Jasmine are casting where you stand. And you see this rectangular shadow bulge at its end where it contacts your shadow and hers. And this bulge in the shadow moves down the door's shadow as though a lump being swallowed as it moves back toward the closet. Roll against horror. This is a new thing for you. Okay, I've got a plus one on the die. Cognition takes it to a four. I'm pretty rattled through all of this. However, I'm trying to be very conscious of what is happening. So with discipline, at five, I have that temporary strain, right? You do, yep. I'm going to burn it. So that's going to put me all at right, a two seven. Two sanity loss is all that you face then. I will spend one, one to prevent. All right. You keep it together. Jasmine has fallen unconscious and is breathing easily. And there are two men in the room that you've never seen before, but suddenly came to your aid. And you notice that they actually burst the door in to reach you. So I'm sitting there on the floor, clutching this girl to me. I'm, I'm rocking a little bit, patting her back kind of murmuring that quiet, it's okay, it's okay, more to me than to her at this point. And I'll look up at these guys. Well, I guess I owe you some thanks. Can I consider this divine intervention, or was this just luck of the draw? When he asks about divine intervention, I'm going to pull out one of those cards that I had with the crucifix on it, and be like, something like that. Samson, 
why don't you go ahead and roll a hybrid knowledge check with religion and occult? Wow, I'm getting rid of these dice because that's a negative two. You can spend two. up to three strain. I will spend two to make my that a five right. with my cognition. Yeah, these guys are from group 13, which you don't know everything about, but running in the circles you run in, you've heard of them. Your conception of them is that they're the Vatican's elite troubleshooters, both literally and figuratively. So I see that card, I realize it, my eyes get a little big. Well, shit. I certainly hope you're not here for me, waving that thing around. Been doing good work. No, I can safely say that we're here to take care of whatever was possessing this little girl. Can I assume that it has vacated the premises? I kind of, like, look around. It, you know, normally uh, Conrad has a look about him of, like, a slender, kind of shortish, brown-haired individual with... um kind of like violet eyes that change colors every now and then. But for some reason, his hair's kind of changed to like a salt pepper black, and he's gotten a bit heavier. Um, you can still kind of see the regular version of him underneath, but it's almost like he's taken on features of another person. This change is especially pronounced in dim light or out the corner of your eye, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, the kid looks okay, but not too sure about what's in the closet. I was afraid of that. Merciful God! Are you guys all right? Father D'Antonio bursts into the room, seemingly deciding not to heed your warning to stay away, Samson. Unable, perhaps, to stay away. Is everyone all right? I saw so much blood on the landing. He's all right. He's all right. He's with me. Father, yes. Um, I'll stand up at that point and hand Jasmine over to him. She's fine. Get her out of here. Conrad... Yes. Father D'Antonio should not have been able to see the blood caused by that spirit, unless he's a medium himself, or he had something to do with that boy's death. Hmm. So I'll hold a hand up as Samson is about to hand the girl over. Excuse me, my new friend. Who might I ask? Is this gentleman here? This is uh, Father D'Antonio. He called me. He, he brought me in on this, this case. This family is of my parish. I felt an obligation to... Get them the aid that they needed. So I'm going to spy that um, on one of the hands is a ring. Well, then it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. And I'll reach out, specifically attempting to use psychometry on the ring on his hand to see what kind of effect I get. Go ahead and roll a sleight of hand just to do that unobtrusively. That's a dexterity. Two on the dice, so that makes it a five. Okay. He doesn't notice your finger brushing his ring. And... You're given a flood of quick, vague impressions. But one of the images that comes through clearly as these feelings and memories fly by and through you is the father carefully taking off this ring so that he won't leave marks when he delivers a brutal beating to the child whose ghost has been haunting you. The child has knocked an entire tray of communion service off of the table at the front of the church, and an ungovernable rage comes over the father. He had agreed to watch the child because his mother was at a job interview and had nowhere to seek care for her child. And as the vision ends, you see that the father 
continued to give childcare service free of charge to that family and continued to take out his anger and his inadequacies on that little boy, intimidating him with promises that he would go to hell if he told anyone. And you understand the sign of the cross and the leap from the high height. It became too much for the boy, and this little child took his own life, leaping off of a building. Certainly roll against horror. This is going to fuck you up. So that's a minus one on the dice, which gives me a three. I'll spend three then. All right. You take five points of sanity damage, all of which you can prevent if you want. One for two. I'll spend two. Okay, so you just take one light wound to sanity. But you are made temporarily insane. You are completely eclipsed by a tidal wave of anger, fury, at this monster who presumes to wear the garb of a servant of God. I can't even feel some of the uh, priest that is currently possessing me feeding into that anger as well. Yes, the one who you called to you to help you in assisting this man and driving the demon out was a devout and faithful man of God who truly wished for the well-being of his parishioners. Everything in you and everything in him is disgusted by this man, and you have to kill him. So Conrad will actually scream in Italian, a language he doesn't know. Sure. Just a string of rage and sense words in Italian, and just will just reach for the man's neck. That's not the best way that you know how to kill this man. You have a gun. You have to use it. Okay. So yeah, the gun will come out. And I will aim and shoot. If anyone wants to try to stop this from happening, roll an initiative check. I do not want to try to stop it, but when I see the gun come out, I want to react to spin, so I am protecting Jasmine. Okay, I got a two on the dice, and my initiative is seven, so I'm at nine. And go ahead and also roll initiative, Conrad. At plus four. Okay. That's two on the dice. Your initiative score is seven, so you're at nine plus four. You're at 13. Conrad stuffs his gun into Father D'Antonio's belly and pulls the trigger over and over again. The shadows in the closet deepen to absolute black, and you see two twin points burning like coals narrowing in pleasure as a cold, sick laughter rolls through the room. Conrad, you come to your senses a second later, Dacian tackling you into the wall and making you drop your gun with no idea what just happened. Do I remember at all the visions that I saw? If you consciously think about it, you're just a little shell-shocked right now. Okay, so yeah, I just hit the wall. Conrad, what are you doing? I... he... What's going on? You just shot the priest. Samson, you know that you need to get out of here. There are going to be cops here soon with that many gunshots, even in this part of town. And you need to not be there. You don't feel great about leaving Jasmine on her own either, though. Did I specifically see and hear what happened in the closet? Well, yeah, with the awareness check you had before, you were aware of something going on in there. So you were probably cognizant of it. So I'm going to say yes. 
I am going to take the briefest of moments to focus on that with whatever faculty I have to try to commit it to memory for later meditation and research. And then to both of them, we need to go now. We do not have time for this. And I will just run out of the apartment and down the stairs. The two of you have no trouble keeping up with him. And in wordless agreement, the three of you pile in to Conrad's car and make your way the hell out of there. I assume to the church so that you can give Jasmine back to her family. Yeah, I would give them directions to Father D'Antonio's parish, trusting that LaShonda and Cameron are actually there, praying the entire time. The taillights of the car retreat into the distance as the red and blue lights of police cars begin to flash and illuminate the building. So the three of you race through the pouring rain to return Jasmine to her mom and her brother, which you're able to do, but you can't even stay to accept her thanks because you know that not only will the police be coming after you soon, you of all people, Dacian and Conrad, know of the church's capabilities to respond to something like this that has happened. And so there's no time to dally. You bundle the exhausted child into Lashonda's arms and head out. Before we actually leave, I would empty my wallet, giving her all the cash I had on me. And I'm going to assume in my travels, I know some actual safe houses, religious or otherwise, that I would trust. And I would pass that information on to her as a place they could truly be safe and get both physical recovery and spiritual healing. Yes, you do know of places like that that she could use, that her family could use. After what just happened, those places are not safe for you anymore. That's fair. However, Conrad, Dacian, you do know of a place. Even if things are really heated up where you are, if you can get in contact with your superior within Group 13, he could tell you where to go, where to keep your heads down. He's a man of ambiguous rank within the church, known only as Brother Simon, and you're both in common burner phone contact with him. Acting on his instructions, the three of you secure fake IDs, and eventually, after long days of driving, make the border crossing into Mexico and continue on, eventually finding your way to the secret headquarters of Group 13. Mm-hmm.